This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. We're moving to three services because we feel like uh, it's going to give us the opportunity to, to allow more people to experience Jesus. You know if you are, are around churches or really any, any kind of room where large groups of people gather, when they're about 80% full, when you walk in for the first time, it feels like it's 100% full. Um, now, some of you extroverts, you don't understand what that's like because there's nothing more exciting to you than sitting by someone you don't know. For the rest of us, we appreciate a chair or two in between us, right? We are frequently hitting 70 to 75% capacity in our services when the kids are in with us. And so what that means is as school returns in the next couple weeks and schedules normalize, we're going to be in 80 to 90% capacity when our kids are in with us for worship. So that creates a couple opportunities for us. One is to kick out the kids. Uh, two is to kick out the teenagers. But we believe in generations at Christian Chapel. We believe in being a multi-generational church. We believe that kids should not be isolated in a corner and teenagers should not be shoved off upstairs all of the time. Some of the time is okay, right? But not all of the time. And so we want them in with us for worship. We want our children to know this isn't just big church where you have to go when you get in trouble, but this is big church where you get to see mom and dad worship, where you get to engage with other people. And so what that means is we have to create more capacity. And the easiest way for us to do that right now is to add a third service. So we're going to do that. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, three brand new time, so we are all going to have to adjust. But if you can do us a favor this afternoon, just fill that out for us real quick. And the next Sunday, we're excited to tell you what those three new times will be and start kind of moving forward in that new direction. Today, though, we are back in the book of Acts. So we've taken a a two-week break. The foundational idea for us is that the book of Acts is not just descriptive about something that happened a long time ago, but it's prescriptive for what should still be happening in the church and in the lives of believers today. So this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and we're going to talk about what it means to be in the right place at the right time. We will emphasize the Ethiopian, not so much the eunuch. Uh, That will be a a different talk at a different time. So um, when the kids are out, right? Uh, So, but for today, we're going to jump right into that idea, because I think one of the things that, that we would all like to know is every day when I wake up, every day when you wake up, you would love it if God would give you a clear and direct plan for that day. Wouldn't you love to live in a way where you knew I never wasted a moment and I never missed an opportunity? Now what you learn scripturally is that God has given us the big picture, broad strokes view of our life and what we should be doing. He's told us that that the calling of our life is to make disciples, that we are to walk with Jesus and to help others walk with Jesus. And so that leads us and that guides us and that kind of is, it, it overshadows everything we do. But oftentimes there's a lot of gray area, a lot of uncertainty of, is this job really the best place for me to make disciples? Is this place where I'm investing my time or my money or my energy the best way for me to make disciples? I would love more than to wake up every morning and look at my phone and see a text message from the Holy Spirit with a a, like detailed item of my day. At 9 a.m. you're going to go here and at 8 a.m. you're going to say that and at 10 a.m. you're going to do this and it would be wonderful but we know it, it doesn't often work that way. And so most of us where we live is in this space of I know God's broad plan for my life and each day I'm listening for his specific plan that day. 
And what we'll see in Acts chapter 8 this morning, especially with the story of Philip, is that there are times, it's not every day, but some days, God comes and speaks directly to us about the exact places we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be there, and the words that we're going to speak. God will give you specific directions so that you are in the right place at the right time to achieve the purposes of God in your life and in the world around you. So if you have a Bible, we're going to start in Acts chapter 8, verse 26 this morning. Our passage is a little long, so we're just going to work through it as we go. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. Now on the the initial reading, this sounds like the kind of direction I want. It's God telling Philip, this is the right place where I want you to go. He's in Samaria, he's hanging out, and God says, go on the desert road, the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. I mean, you, you really can't get much more specific than that. It's the fulfillment of the great commission in his life. He's experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, and now God is telling him, Philip, I want you to leave this position of significance and influence, and I want you to go out to the desert road. And see, sometimes when we're saying, Lord, what I really want is I want to be in the right place, subconsciously what we mean is, Lord, I want to be in a better place. Lord, I want to be in a bigger place. But I think for many of us, if we're in Philip's shoes, we we at least have a moment of, Lord, are you sure? But all Philip knows on that day is I'm being called away from where I see God moving into a place where I think I'm probably just going to be alone. And so it challenges me, and I think it it challenges probably many of us in in our Western understanding of Christianity and how Jesus leads and how Jesus guides, that sometimes he might call me to do things that don't necessarily make sense. Sometimes he might call me to do things that don't fit in my five-year plan or my 10-year plan. As I was praying and and thinking about this the other day, there was a a thought that came to mind, and it it might have been just something God was speaking to me, but I I think it's something that God is speaking to all of us. Anytime I find myself in a position where I feel like the Lord is saying, Chris, I want you to go here. Chris, I want you to invest in this person. Chris, I want you to serve in this area. And anytime there's something that rises up in me that says, I heard you, God, but do you know who I am? Do you know what I'm capable of? Do you know the potential that resides within me? Right? And I know none of you have ever prayed that prayer. None of you have ever responded because you, like Moses, are the most humble people that have ever walked the earth. Right? But some of us struggle with doing small things. Some of us struggle when we feel like we're finally getting into the place God has created us to be. And then he's saying, but I just want you to come over here. But Philip understands something that you and I have to understand. When God speaks, we don't argue. We don't negotiate. And the thing the Holy Spirit says to me in those moments, when I think I may be too big for that, I'm too important for that, I need to do something else, there are better uses of my time, the thing the Spirit reminds me over and over and over again, and and perhaps he wants to remind some of you of this morning, is I am someone else's small task. Somewhere along the line, somewhere, someone who is more important, someone who is more influential, someone who had more responsibility, somebody who had better things to do, somebody who is gifted beyond what God was asking them to do. They lowered themselves, 
They served in a local church. They gave some extra time to a student in their class. They turned their attention to a a little teenage knucklehead, and they began to invest their lives in mine. And it's not just something that God did a, a while ago. I mean, yesterday I was, I was riding my bike and I felt like God was reminding me of, there are three men in my life right now, three men that, that are mentors, three men that I look up to. And as I was riding, again, just, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit comforts and sometimes he slaps you in the face. And yesterday was one of those kind of slap in the face moments. As I was riding my bike, God was reminding me, in that relationship, you're a small task. In that relationship, you're a small task. And in that relationship, you're a small task. And I just felt so encouraged by the time I got done riding at my smallness and my insignificance. But what God was reminding me of was he's placed three men in my life who serve as mentors that lead organizations that are significant, that have incredible opportunities and influence, and yet somehow, in some way, God has connected our lives to the point that they'll respond when I send a text, that they'll answer the phone when I call, and that they'll meet me for lunch, that they'll pray for me, they'll pray for my family, they'll pray for Christian Chapel, and in that space, God reminds me what I have experienced from others it's now my privilege to do for others. And so, so maybe, I, and, and I know when I preach at Christian Chapel, I know every Sunday there are people sitting here who are wildly successful. I mean, many of you, you have achieved at levels that my parents dreamed I would get to. And I haven't, but I know you at least, so I can point to them. I'm like, well, mom, but he's doing it, and he's my friend, right? You, you have been wildly successful, and yet what God is teaching us through the scriptures is he's always going to keep us connected. He's always going to keep our feet on the ground. He's always going to give us individual one-on-one opportunities to share the gospel, to serve, and to be reminded of our true nature as servants in the kingdom. And so this is what Philip models for us. God speaks and Philip obeys. He doesn't look for someone else to delegate the task to. He just obeys and God says, go to the desert road. And so Philip leaves Samaria and he starts walking on the desert road. And what we, what we have to understand is that obedience is how we put ourselves in a position to hear God's continued direction and receive God's continued provision. When God calls you to go on the road, the road is where God's going to provide. When God calls you to go to the desert, the desert is where he will continue to direct. And so so if obedience is how we hear his voice, then we've also got to understand disobedience makes it difficult for us to hear God's direction. Philip's entire story hinges on his obedience. The Ethiopian's experience of Jesus hinges on Philip's obedience. And so, so maybe for us this morning, a, a good evaluation question is, is my frustration, is my lack of ability to hear God's voice, is my lack of ability to sense God's direction, is my lack of experience of God's provision, is it due to the fact that I have firmly planted my feet in the land of disobedience? Has God called me to go and I've decided to stay? Has God said left and I've went right? Now, for, for some of us, the, the reason we don't obey immediately is because we don't feel like we have enough information. But for Philip, notice what he does. God says, go on the desert road. Philip doesn't say why. He doesn't say, what will I do when I get there? He doesn't say, how long will I be there? How far do I have to walk or what's the weather like? He just 
God has called me in this new direction, but I'm unsure of what tomorrow might hold. All you're responsible for is today's obedience. All you're accountable for is doing the last thing that God told you to do. And watch, watch what happens in Philip's life. Read down in Acts chapter 8, verse 27. It says, And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And so, so what we see in Philip's story is that, that as we walk, God directs. And now, now, again, for some of us, especially those of us who maybe have a, a little bit more of a type A personality, a little more of, I got to know the end before I start the beginning. For those of you who get a novel and you read the end to see if it's worth your time, right, before you invest in it. For those of you who, before you watch a movie, you get online to make sure there's nothing crazy that happens. For those of us who are in that, that kind of wiring, sometimes the idea of just go start walking feels like the worst possible thing that God could say to us. But what we see in Philip's life is it's only as he walks on the desert road that he begins to see why he's there. And Philip can only approach the Ethiopian because he's in the right place at the right time. If Philip had delayed his obedience, he would have missed the Ethiopian and his group. If Philip had decided, I know you said the desert road to Gaza, but I know a better route that maybe is a little more comfortable, he would have missed them entirely. And what Philip is learning is as he walks, God directs. Now, now notice, as God directs, he still doesn't give Philip a clear picture. Philip sees the Ethiopian eunuch, and God says, go stand by that chariot. Now, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's some cultural differences, but, but to me, it almost feels like, so I went from an obscure direction to go to the desert road to a creepy direction of go stand over that guy's shoulder. Like, Philip, just go hang out, and I'll tell you what to do. Right now, now again, some of extroverts in the room, you're like, I love this story. Just he went to a new place and there was a new person and God told him to go stand next to them. Like, that sounds great. And, and for others of us, it's like, this is, I mean, this is the, the trials of trials for me. A new place, a new person that I don't know who appears to be important and I'm just supposed to go creep at the edges. I'm just going to go hang out next to them. Because Philip was on the desert road, he was ready to approach the Ethiopian's chariot. Because he's able to use it as an opportunity to tell him about Jesus, the Ethiopian receives Christ, is baptized, and goes back to Ethiopia as the first missionary to the continent of Africa. But it all hinges on two episodes of Philip's obedience. Go to the desert road and go stand by the chariot. And so there's going to be times in your life where God calls you to do things and you think that doesn't make sense, but you do it anyways. And then you're going to be in the next season, and God's going to ask you to do something that still isn't going to make sense. But just do it anyways. The more you obey, the more God directs. And the reason God leads us and guides us in this way is not to torment us. It's not to torture us. It's to maintain an ongoing connection with us. God longs to be a father. He longs to be a shepherd. He longs to be a guide. And so my encouragement to you today is just keep obeying. Do the last thing and then do the next thing. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, 
he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? The Ethiopian couldn't have been reading a scripture from the Old Testament that provides a more direct line to the work of Jesus on the cross and the message of the gospel than what he was reading from Isaiah that day. On top of that, when Philip runs up, the Spirit inspires him to ask a very simple question of, do do you understand what you're reading? And in that moment, the Ethiopian throws the door open as wide as possible and says, well, how can I without someone to explain it to me? And Philip takes advantage of the opportunity. The Ethiopian welcomes him into his chariot, and Philip begins to walk him through the story of Jesus. And the Ethiopian asks even further questions of, just tell me, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone? I mean, he could not have teed it up any better for Philip. And here's what I want you to understand this morning. When you commit your life to obeying God's direction, you will be in the right place at the right time, and God will open doors so wide for you that you would have to willfully ignore them and walk in the other direction. And and many of us, we've witnessed this in our life where you were just going to work. You were just going to school. You were just having a conversation with a neighbor. There was nothing significant or supernatural about that day. And yet somehow in the midst of a conversation, God opened a door for the gospel and you were able to share that good news in a meaningful way. Others of us, we've been on the receiving end of that, where we were just going through a terrible season of life, where we were low, we were lost, we felt alone, and at just the right time, in just the right place, a coworker, a friend, a family member began to speak words of life, began to speak words of comfort, introduced us to Jesus, and in that space, our hearts were filled with hope, and they were filled with joy, and we felt as if God himself had arranged this opportunity. And the reason we feel that way is because he does. This is not a coincidence that Philip is there to explain what is happening to the Ethiopian eunuch. It is God's sovereign designs. It means that the next walk around the block you take in your neighborhood is not just an exercise in suffering with a 115 degree heat index. It means it's an opportunity for you to maybe connect with someone who's new to your neighborhood. It's an opportunity for you to engage in a conversation. It means the next time you're asked to serve at Christian Chapel, it's not just an obligation, it's an opportunity to participate in what God is doing. It means when God says, make the move, start the degree, move for school, transfer, whatever it is he's speaking to you about, it's not just a a, a moment for you to see what's next. It's an opportunity for you to be in the right place at the right time to be part of what God has sovereignly arranged for you to experience in that moment. Hindus and Muslims, people from all kinds of different backgrounds who have said, I had a dream years ago that somebody who looked like you was going to come here and tell me about Jesus. Our chapel youth team that went to Brazil just a few weeks ago, they went out to a neighborhood one day, they met this old lady in her home and she told them, this morning I prayed that someone would come and talk to me about God because I need him in my life right now. You, As you commit to a life of obeying what God says, you will get the privilege of seeing his plans and purposes fulfilled in your life. And suddenly, you're more than an accountant. Suddenly, you're more than a teacher. You're more than an engineer. 
You're more than, than, than a person who goes to school, a person who mows the lawn. You're more than what you do. In that place, you are the mouthpiece of God to people who desperately need to hear good news. And this is what we see in Philip's story is he's in the right place at the right time. He takes full advantage of the opportunity. Acts chapter 8, verse 35, it says, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about when you, when you live this life of obedience, God directs you to people and to places so that you can be part of what he's doing in that moment. And what he's doing in that moment is, is not just preparing a place where you can be a little encouragement, where you can help somebody with a school project, where you can teach them a new skill or give them a new ability. What God is doing is he is calling you, directing you, leading and guiding you into places where the doors are going to be thrown open for you to tell the good news about Jesus. And this is maybe where some of us get nervous because we think, well, I'm okay being in the right place at the right time, but I don't know that I have the right words. I would just encourage you, find comfort in the story of Philip. If you believe that God can direct you and guide you to be in the right place at the right time, then you can believe that the Holy Spirit will empower your speech to say the right words to reveal Jesus to people who desperately need him. And as you just take that simple step and you begin to tell the very simple story of Jesus, others will respond. As you you wind up the story in Acts chapter 8 and verse 36, it says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. These are the results that that we long to see. See, the right result of this story was not just Philip's obedience. The right result was the salvation of the Ethiopian. The right result was that the Ethiopian goes back, and the church is established and flourished in Ethiopia. You can travel to Ethiopia today and you can meet with believers who trace their spiritual lineage back to the Ethiopian eunuch. Who I, the church is older in Ethiopia than almost any other part of the world today. And despite persecution, despite wars, despite famines, famines the light of the church has never been extinguished in Ethiopia. It has continued to burn brightly. Why? Because this was the result that God had in mind. Because this is the fulfillment of the great commission that they will take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But it started with Philip's obedience to go to the desert road. This morning, I want to encourage you, when you began to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit, God is not just doing it for your good. He's ultimately doing it for his glory to build his kingdom and to establish his work in the hearts and minds of men and women and teenagers and children. And so this morning, I believe God is speaking to some of us. And what I want you to understand is on that day, Philip's obedience wasn't just about Philip. He had no way to know, but his obedience on that day was about the Ethiopian. It was about those that the Ethiopian would share the good news with when he got back. It was about the generations of Christians who would continue. It was about Ethiopia becoming an early epicenter of Christianity from which it spread throughout Africa. But it started with one man's obedience. And so this morning, God may be calling some of us to do things that we think are insignificant, that we think are beneath us, but I wanna encourage you, God's writing a story that you can't possibly comprehend. And your obedience is an essential part of it. 
And so, so there's always reasons not to obey. There's, there, it's never convenient. It's never easy. There's always something else to do. You're already overcommitted. You're already insecure. You've got a thousand reasons why God shouldn't ask you to do that or he should use someone else. But when God speaks to you, you're responsible for your obedience. And as you obey, God works through your obedience to continue to direct, continue to lead, continue to guide. Jesus, we come today and we thank you first that you have arranged our lives to hear the gospel. Lord, I pray if there is anyone in the room or online with us that has not made that decision to follow you. Today, Lord, may they surrender their hearts and minds to you. May they understand that you are their savior who has come to forgive them of their sins and lead them into experiences of new life. That you have come to restore hope and to restore joy that you have come to completely wipe away the stain of sin and death that plagues their soul. Jesus, we ask today that they would hear the good news and like the Ethiopian, they would respond with eager acceptance. And Lord, I pray for those of us who we have said yes to you. We want to be people who hear your voice and do what you say. So Lord, we ask, will you continue to speak clearly to us about your purposes and your plans? Will you direct us and will you empower us to respond in quick obedience to the things that you speak? God, we believe this week you have specific places for us to be and times for us to be there so that we can participate in the fulfillment of your plan in our home, among our family, with our friends, at work and at school. And so Lord, we ask in the midst of busyness, in the midst of so many other responsibilities, in the midst of a thousand things on our to-do list, will you make our ears sensitive to the voice of your Holy Spirit? And when we hear your direction, will you empower us to respond with quick obedience, to run down the road you've revealed to us, and to wait for you to continue to direct and provide along the way. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.